0: All right, welcome to the SaaS Brand Strategy Show. My name is Ryan Copperroot. I'm here with my co-hosts, Mike Tracy, Dustin Robertson. How are you gentlemen this afternoon? Better than I deserve. Hello. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful.
1: Stole that from another radio host, but I like it. So. <laughs> hey, you
0: deserve you deserve to be good, Dustin. You deserve to be good. Thanks, Ryan. Yes, yes. Uh, we're talking today about something that's been in the news and it's been on our minds. Um, Dustin, you framed it pretty simply a second ago, why CMOs can't hold a job. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You know,
1: in doing research for this podcast is just reading the articles that get written every year about the CMO tenure getting shorter. And one of them focused on the fact when you're hiring a CMO, don't let the fact that they've only worked places for six, nine or 12 months be a red flag, which I thought was hilarious. (laughs) No, no, that's just normal. Okay. Okay. It's probably not normal, but
0: yeah. But, but the industry sees it as normal at this point because of what's happening out there. Yeah. I think there are legit,
1: was. uh, great CMOs who, yeah, have been places for a short time and, um, doing the SaaS brand strategy work. We have kind of seen the symptoms of something that might be causing it. That isn't really getting recognized. You know, lots of people talk about, Oh, the jobs changed, which it has, but like you have to be a data scientist and you have to be a technologist and you have to know how to you know, build pipeline and you have to be the world's best PR communicator. And um, while well, there's probably essences of all that's true, that's, you've always had to do that in marketing. So something else has changed and I think we have an idea what it is, or at least it's our view of it from uh, doing the strategy work that we do.
2: It is interesting to note that when you do the research around, if you Google CMO churn, that there are articles going back to like 2010 (laughs) in in business publications. Like this has been a, you want to talk about digital transformation. This has been uh, misaligned um, expectations on leadership and actually um, what the day-to-day of a CMO has turned into. Uh, But it's, it's nothing new. Everybody's been wrestling with it and they're in the, you know, what are they talking about? Like the, the CMO still has the shortest tenure of any C-level position, around 36 months, if you believe the statistics that people are looking at. Some people are saying it's down to 17, 18 months within tech specifically. Um, and Dustin, what you said, there's a lot driving that. Um, there's The the role has definitely changed. There's a lot more that falls under the CMO title. But there is this one key thing that, that uh, keeps popping up in our world that seems to be. Be, um, has not been recognized yet. So let's talk about that.
0: Yeah, let's talk about that. Dustin, uh, you, you know, you said just a second ago, like there's got to be something else going on. So what what's going on?
1: Yeah, I think um, I'm going to anchor it in really the proliferation of software. So in technology specifically, uh, you know, it's never been easier to write code and it's never been easier to scale it. And so if you've built software that people are paying money for, you know, go back to when we didn't have SaaS. You used to have to get it installed and then it was physically in the location. And that was a high hurdle to displace. And so you could just sell on features. Fast forward now. Um, you know, there's kids coming out of coding schools in six weeks that can write Java and they can copy your features. And then at that point, it does the same thing somebody else's does. So who's cheaper? And a race to the bottom is a good way to get the CMO fired and really just to go out of business. So I think what's happening is it's just no longer sufficient to message the benefits of your product, which was just still today, kind of like the best in class uh, product marketing was like lead with the benefit. And um, before that, it was just talk about the features. And so at this point, um, you know, even leading with the benefit isn't good enough. And so what's going on? And it's not clear to a lot of people. And so marketing ends up carrying the burden and uh, they aren't in a position to really fix that problem. (laughs) So it gets labeled as a messaging problem for the business and we're not able to sell it because we don't know how to message it. We don't know how to talk about ourselves. And that trickles throughout the entire org and um, the marketing team is the scapegoat. But the reality is they don't know how to message and talk about themselves is because they haven't identified a point of view in the world that they're backing and outpaying off in the world that connects with their customers and the superpowers their customers get from buying their solution. And I think that's what it is. And that is a gigantic task to ask the CMO to own uh, solely by himself or herself.
2: So what you're saying is... When we have people come to us like just cold calling and saying, Hey, I need help. It's usually uh, the CEO that is experiencing a lack of, you know, what we've been talking about as um, message market fit where they might have product market fit um, and they get it, but they don't know how to tell and sell their story um, across the organization or everybody is telling and selling a different story um, specific to their needs and goals and incentives. So, um, marketing is selling and telling one story. Uh, sales is doing another to close deals. Product is working off of some other understanding of what the the narrative is in uh, in a pursuit of competition or following what customers are asking for. And there's no overarching story that everybody understands that the the quest that they're on and the market opportunity that they're doing. And the CEOs see this and they're like, "I got 20 different people." telling and selling 20 different stories and I need to get everybody on the same page. And it feels like once they understand, like, I've got this pain, they're coming to us, but they still think it's a marketing issue. They still want to assign it. If we get on board to the marketing organization, the marketing leader, because they still think it's a marketing problem, but it's actually something that's much larger than that.
0: Right. Marketing can only tell the story if they're given the authority to actually help drive the story. Right. I mean, a thing that we've talked about and a thing that you mentioned, Mike, is like the difference between given being given the authority and versus being given the responsibility to actually help drive that story. And like, I don't know, say a little bit more about that too.
2: Yeah. It's a classic uh, conundrum within um, any leadership role or even a consulting role. You can come in and um, you're given responsibility to fix a problem. But unless you're given the authority to actually make things happen and uh, apply solutions that you've come up with or identified, then it's just kind of a, it's a a recipe for failure because nobody, everybody's going to be like, yeah, that's just, that's your deal. I don't have to do what you say. So unless the CEO is the one in the ultimate boss on this, who's um, pushing, um, uh, strategy forward and making sure that everybody realizes that we're committed to this and this is the way forward. So I need you leadership team to figure out how to support this higher level. Um, If it's this, if it's the CMO, for instance, who's tasked with, and he brings the strategic narrative or the point of view to the table and everybody's like, well, that's just a marketing thing. That's not ours. I don't believe in that. Um, So I'm not really going to endorse that or subscribe to that or use that. And then it's, it's, you're you're left back where you started from. So the ability to be able to say like the CEO assigns it to the CMO and the CMO says, that's great. I love this, but this you realize is a a holistic uh, issue that we have. I need the authority to make sure that it goes, um, goes to plan and is endorsed and I'll bring the action plan to you and, uh, Give some direction on how people can um, get into this or be a part of this, and and make sure that they are part of the process to develop it. Then, then again, it's going to be one of those things that makes a CMO's tenure pretty short.
1: Also, um, you know, the CMO doesn't have the ability to impact the product roadmap or the you know the culture and the people they're hiring and the organizational design to support a point of view like that. And so you can go out with it, but your customers will know it falls flat pretty quickly if the product and the rest of the company don't back it up. So,
0: Yeah, Dustin, you know, as a CMO yourself, you know, you don't have to name any names, but um, any specific instances of this you want to speak to? I mean, have you seen this in your personal life or, you know, in the other CMOs that you know in the space in terms of people who've experienced this and kind of you know, either both symptoms of, you know, what that looks like, or maybe why that's happened more specifically in individual cases, anything like that?
1: Yeah. Um, it, it happens almost everywhere, unfortunately. Um, cause it's pretty hard to make those hard decisions to be like, Hey, this is, this is our point of view on the world. And these are the sharp pointy edges it has, and we are going to embrace these and make sure that those edges are upheld. Um, the squishy middle is just such a more comfortable place to operate. And especially mm. if the business has had some type of product market fit and has gotten some level of traction, then like, why would you put up sharp points in places? Cause those hurt and you end up just kind of living in that product market fit world without having any message market fit. And pretty soon all your features have been copied. And so now it's way harder to get new customers. Sales are slowing down, uh, the, you know, the message you're talking about isn't resonating. You're focused more on the competition every day. What are they doing? What are we doing? Do we have comparisons? And the end of the day is it's not working. And so you start firing people or making changes. Yeah. And the reality is, well, that's great until you have a point of view and you're willing to get out of the squishy middle. It's probably not going to work with the next person either. So you know this is like a generalization of one of the problems why CMOs have a short tenure, but this is the specific one we get insight into every time we come into
0: work. Totally. And what a thing that I'm curious about, you know, is why why does you know we talked about this as particularly usually a leadership issue in terms of CEOs or business leaders offloading this? messaging strategy, you know, conversation onto marketing. Why specifically do you think CEOs don't want to own it or don't want to hold it or don't want to drive it? Is it just because they feel like traditionally this narrative is a thing that marketing should own or what, where is that, you know?
1: Yeah. Well, in the product market fit example, it's hard to say you have a, you have a business strategy problem when your business has been, you know, air quotes selling itself. Mm. And so you're like, well, what do you mean? I don't have a business strategy problem. We make this thing. It does this thing and people have been buying it without much effort. And that's amazing. Mm -hmm. And we've raised hundreds of millions of dollars because it does that. But at some point it stops doing that. And so I think, you know, that's usually when we got, we get called in is the CEO has realized that they have a strategy problem and that's why the messaging isn't working. And so we kind of go reset like, well, what? What is that point of view? What mountain are you trying to bring your customers up with, with you, and why should they do it? And then you align the business around that, and you know you can continue that growth you had before. But I think that's that's what it is, though. It's just recognizing the root cause of the problem versus the symptoms, and the symptoms are
0: oh, our messaging is not working, so change marketing. Yeah, yeah. So once once you have identified that root cause, Mike, and 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 you're able to see that this is probably a broader issue. Like what is the, what is the solution either internally or externally or both? What, you know, what's the fix?
2: Uh, well, from our perspective, it's make sure that the CEO is on board with the program. And if we're not talking directly to the CEO, that the CMO has responsibility and authority, um, you know, to go back to Dustin's answer, super fast. I think the CEO often sends this to, marketing because a strategic narrative is storytelling. um, And marketing should be doing the best job within the organization at telling a story that's really differentiated and compelling and aspirational and all those other things. So a basic business case um, can turn into something that's really compelling um, and gets people fired up. Uh, and gets people like believing in and why they're coming into work every day, or why they're showing up for work any day, versus a really straightforward, um, uh, you know, business vernacular case like we've come in after a, a company has done you know a strategy with McKinsey, and then everybody looks at that work from McKinsey and says, "Well, this is great. Now, what do you want me to do with it?" Um, And it's super tactical and very kind of cold and it's not wrong. It's just something that people look at and go, okay, okay, great. Now what do I do with it? And it's not something that gets them fired up and and aligned. Um, So, the CEO punts it to the CMO to kind of do a better job merchandising the business strategy, if you will, Mm -hmm. like give, bring some life to this thing. Give me some context. Um, All these things that make a really compelling story. I want to see the tension. I want an enemy. I want resolution. Um, I want to feel fired up after reading this thing. Um, That's why the CEOs will bounce it to the marketing department because they feel like that's marketing's job, or at least that's their core competency.
0: Totally. That makes sense. That makes plenty of sense. So I'm then not if,
2: answering your other question because I don't know what the answer is.
0: <laughs> there's probably many, I would think. There's <laughs> we can come back another, to it. We can come back to it. I know there's, there's a couple that we specialize in, but I mean, Dustin, how, how have you seen it solved in the past? Um, yeah, I mean, it only gets solved if the CEO
1: decides that, they want to embrace a uh, holistic change in how the, the company's talked about. I mean, it, sometimes it's not holistic change, but they want everybody p- to be aligned and say the same things. That's another way it'll get framed to us. Like just, I know how to say it, but everybody else doesn't say it like I say it. Mm. And that's, um, that's like our softest entry point. But usually if they are at least aware of that, we can then have the conversation like, oh, well, you know, how do what you say is talking about how you're different. And then, and then they're like, well, what do you mean? It's like, this is how we're better. And so we kind of lead people down the path of like, well, if you lead us how you're different, then you don't talk about how you're better. And then you don't get compared. Um, so that that's, uh, alignment though, is a, is a good, is a good way to try to solve it. Um, you don't have to do a holistic rip and replace. You can just, uh, get a better narrative that aligns everybody. Um, cause that's the number one thing in these high growth companies is everybody's working super hard. And they're, you know, moving forward, but never feels like you're moving forward as fast or as hard as you're working. And a lot of that is because it's not, everybody's not perfectly aligned into how, what they do is impacting the overall mission. And so um, getting the company aligned, honestly, uh, goes a long way to solving this problem.
0: Totally. The metaphor we use a lot that I like is swimming in a race and everyone's sort of roughly swimming in the same direction, but everybody's getting splashed and kicked in the face versus everybody getting in a crew boat and rowing smoothly yeah. and quickly. Yeah. In the, the
1: triathlete direction. swim picture yes. is hilarious because yes. yeah, that's what it's like we're going to start up. I'm moving forward, but I'm also getting kicked in the face.
0: <laughs> this, <laughs> this should be easier. <laughs> I'm inhaling a lot of water and I'm getting kicked in the face. Yes. Um, um, go ahead.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's a few things uh, just from me being a CMO that I can chat about um, that uh, are kind of outside of this that are symptoms of what, you know, maybe why marketing doesn't get a shake um, or it's fair shake. So like the, we talk about the business strategy problem and it gets messaged as a marketing problem. And that's probably the most common one. And that's the space we work in. So we've talked about that one the most. Right. But yeah. Um, there's just a basic alignment in like what does success look like and how is it going to be measured? And when you take a CMO role, you need to make sure that the CEO's view of what this role looks like and when it's successful and how it's going to be measured matches what you think should be done and what you are good at doing. Um, There are a lot of people, you know, that, and again, the skill sets broad, right? You have to be expert at MarTech and demand gen and messaging and creative and campaign execution and PR. And so, you know, we all have varying levels of expertise in each of those spots. And so right. if your CMO or your CEO is going to want the CMO to only do demand gen, that's the most important thing, then you, know, you better be pretty sure you're pretty good at that. Um, if they're really, they really want uh, lots of PR, then you better be crisp on what they mean by that. Because (laughs) if the company doesn't have a point of view and they don't have the muscle of making news, then getting PR is gonna be wildly difficult. And I think that's a common case where the CEO will fire the CMO because you you were unable to get the PR. They thought they should have been in the Wall Street Journal. They thought they should have been on CNBC and you didn't do the work to make sure that they actually had a point of view and a narrative and some muscle of building, uh, building data that people thought was newsworthy so you could actually get that stuff placed. Um, sure. PR is a, it's not an art form, it's a formula. And there's certain ingredients that need to be in place, otherwise you won't get it. And somebody who's desperately wanting that and hasn't had it most likely doesn't have those ingredients. And so unless you can educate them to that, invest in that and set the proper time horizon to see that into the market, you won't have the runway you need to... Uh, meet their expectations and you'll be fired. Um, the the other thing that's, this is, um, this has been recently, but I think it's, yeah. So the broader company, so the bigger the company is, they expect marketing to have the company's name, we'll just say in lights. So they expect to just see the business all over the place. Maybe this has gotten highlighted more during COVID because there's been no trade shows or anything. And so you go to a trade show, like, oh, yeah, we bought the premium sponsorship. We, you know, Drip, remember, we, we, we were ridiculous worse things and like everybody knew we were there. Um, well, without that, you know, digital marketing is a targeted exercise. And so if you're doing it properly, the company will never see your ads because we're not targeting people that work there. Nah. <laughs> but then they don't think marketing's doing anything. And yeah, you're measuring your pipe and you can show them where the ad dollars are going, but they just don't see the company out in the world. And so um, you end up having to, you know, just do social posts and build things that can be shared and people can engage with. So they feel like you're doing something. And so there's this, uh, there's this piece where marketing's gotten, uh, it's so targeted and strategic, you can actually be invisible to the company. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something to be aware of. Um, not that, not that, that doesn't mean you're doing the job wrong, but it just is inter- like internal PR you need to do where you need to do like, uh, give people stuff that they can engage with. It's not just uh, targeted stuff for the customers. And then yeah. I think the final thing is, um, the time horizon. So marketing, especially in software is super expensive. Um, uh, it's a bunch of headcount that can generate pipeline. And if you ha- have any hopes of keeping your job, you better, you better carry a number. But even with that, you know, the the enterprise sales timeline could be nine months. And so you could have been 12 months in the job, not have a ton of closed one deals done. The PR hasn't started kicking yet because you haven't fully implemented the strategic narrative. You know, you're at 18 months and they're looking at what you've done. Well, you spent $4 million and we don't let to show for it. So you're fired. <laughs> so that, that time horizon of when people expect the world to change is, uh, is a good thing to sink on and decide if you want to work there or not.
0: Yeah. Mike, you look like you were going to say something there.
2: No, Mark Ritson, um, who's, um, uh, strategy and planning marketing guy out of Australia wrote a great piece in, um, marketing week about the big question. He talks about just how do you get leadership, to align and agree on the amount of investment required to get a new position or a new campaign or um, aligned or launched. Um, And the importance for education, the importance for alignment on timing, um, the importance on education, not just to leadership, but across the entire organization. Um, And then showing case studies Um, bringing case studies to the table of, look, this company did it this way. It took this long. Um, It cost this much, but this was the return. And it's generally the case studies you're going to bring are going to have a short-term element to it. And then also a long-term element. The long term is where um, the growth um, and profitability really start to get traction. And the short term is kind of more um, hit and miss based on whatever activations you're doing. But There's a piece, I'll send it out. Um, It's just seven seven ways from seven of the uh, kind of leading CMOs in the world, actually. Um, That's super, super valuable. And it's written um, from the perspective of a big organization, but a lot of the elements that are um, are the pieces of the equation, the answer um, are applicable to smaller organizations as well.
1: Sweet, link it in the show notes. Link it in the show show notes. notes. Uh,
0: One other question I had, you know, part of what inspired a little bit of this conversation this week um, reminds me of what you were just saying, Dustin, about the diversification of marketing and how there are so many different diverse things and what you want people to specialize in and carry as a marketing leader. You know, we talked about the fact that um, Dave Gerhart formerly of Drift and Privy is now back at Drift as a chief brand officer and I wonder if that's a thing that we'll see. As you know, we you know you're right, Dustin. Marketing has always had a lot of diversity, just in terms of the actual disciplines that fall into it. But I wonder um, if part of what we'll see is splitting the shoulders to carry the weight of that diverse discipline or those those disciplines to have individuals more focused on these specific pieces that they are really strong in, um, not just having those all roll up to one leader, but maybe starting to have multiple C level leaders that. Um, that are responsible for those different diverse elements that do roll up to marketing.
1: Yeah. I think uh, this is going to be super interesting to watch because David Cancel is just kind of a visionary in in brand and software. And I believe what he's doing is he's like, treat, you know, treat brand as only marketing at your own risk. And Mm. so he's like, screw that. I'm going to have somebody that's just focused on brand and they just report to me. Um, obviously, highly aligned with their CMO. But um, yeah, I think on the surface, you could be like, oh, that's ridiculous. You know, He just reports to the CEO. He's his fanboy. He doesn't have any, a team. I don't think that's it at all. We, we all know David. He is incredibly insightful and a forward thinker. And so I believe that's what he's doing. He is treating brand as a company-wide initiative and is not marketing only. And he, he elevated it to that profile in the business. Um, and I think that will be super interesting to see how that plays out.
2: Yeah, Yeah. Is it the first C-level brand officer within B2B SaaS? Do we know of any other CBOs mm-hmm. in the industry?
1: I would have to imagine some of the other big software companies like Salesforce, And Microsoft and places like that have them, but good question. We should do some research on that.
0: Should look, yeah. (laughs) We should we should dig (laughs) into
2: that. I'm trying to know the answer before you ask the question.
0: No, we don't have to. I think it's a good question to ask, and maybe somebody listening or watching will know. I I do think you know there, of course, in you know consumer brands, there's there's tons of chief brand folks, but. Um, when it comes to software, who has such a killer brand that they have a CBO, you know, yes, they're out there, but there's not, it's not many software brands that you can recite off the top of your head where you're like their brand rocks for X, Y, and Z reasons. So I would imagine it's thin, but I'm happy to be proven wrong too.
2: Yeah. And to Dustin's point, it's organizations, if they have a, a, a even a VP of brands, they recognize and appreciate that it's a larger, um, larger play than just marketing, that how a, bl- a brand comes to life um, is uh, in every touch point within an organization, especially when we talk about, you have to literally um, be telling and selling the story from the same page or the same book um, and how every organ- uh, uh, piece of the organization makes that manifest is a little bit different, but unless you're telling and selling the same story, you're, you're creating confusion in the market.
0: Yeah, totally, totally um all right gents anything we didn't talk about today anything we missed anything i should have asked about cmos That's the right not question. keeping their jobs good
2: job, good job ryan <laughs> um, something i should have asked you but didn't related to this topic
1: <laughs> yeah i think uh I think we just hit on one aspect of it. There's this, this is a multi-layered multifaceted issue. And I think a big chunk of it is, um, the fact that there, there are these diverse skill sets, whether it's, it's being a data analyst or, um, a software, um, what's the right term? Like the MarTech stack, you have to buy and manage, um, I don't know what that role was called before, but it sure as hell didn't live in marketing. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) And so, and it can't, you can't outsource it to IT, right? And then you've brought in all the software and there's now these other orgs used to be responsible for that stuff and you're responsible for it. So there's also tension of, you know, the CMOs responsibilities have now encroached on other people's areas and they're probably not super pumped on that. And so um, more reason for people to be uh, casting doubt on you. (laughs) Right, right. And marketing's not pumped about it either. Nobody's happy. <laughs> I mean, MarTech is amazing when it's, when it's working, but getting it set up and optimized and getting the data flowing and knowing that it's working, that takes like a long time. And nobody totally. wants to wait for you to figure out how to use your software. You just spent, you know, thousand dollars buying and implementing. Um, and so again, just this, this timeline of expectations of when you can expect things to be firing on all cylinders and what it takes to get there, there's just a massive disconnect there. So I guess my one advice to CMOs would be like, go work someplace where all that's been done. You're <laughs> just coming <laughs> in and taking over. First. Somebody's got most of it figured out. So you're not starting from scratch. Maybe this is just the startup scars all over me, but yeah. Also make sure they have say. enough money. I've had it just strictly. There's just not enough money to do it, and so you're out. <laughs> so... Right.
0: Yeah. That that the expectation versus what's actually possible. Part I think is what you're talking about too, Dustin, when you're saying choose where you want to work, like make sure the expectations are aligned with what is actually possible, whether that's resourcing, budget, timeline, all of the above, um, you know, if those things are misaligned, yeah, it's going to go bad for everyone. And then if
1: you are a CMO feeling this pain, you can give us a call and we could turn this uh, marketing problem into a business strategy solution for you and get everybody aligned around solving it.
0: It's no longer on your shoulders. We, At least by we another ser-
1: 18 months in the role. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we certainly could. I do think I, I do think a thing that we've seen is marketing leaders kind of breathe the sigh of relief a little bit when they're like, man, you know, I didn't really think this was supposed to be all me. And y'all came in and told me that it wasn't supposed to be all me. And that felt really good to actually have my CEO be convinced of the facts that it isn't supposed to be all me and that we need to be more aligned at a top level before we can actually do all of the things we're supposed to do as a marketing org.
1: Yeah, that that aha is always nice when it happens because
0: um, initially they're a little nervous when we're coming
1: in they're like, because they think they're supposed to be doing this work and they're like, oh crap, they brought these professionals in to do the work I couldn't do. And yeah. so we try to diffuse that right away and let them know like, this is, this is not work you're supposed to do and it's higher level. And anyways, as soon as they embrace that, um, it's awesome. And then they become our... Our advocates
0: totally we're here to be friends absolutely mike anything else you want to add before we call it no fan fantastic it's a SAS brand strategy show we're drmg dustin mike it's always a pleasure thanks for so next time likewise have a good one see y'all soon